0: Welcome to the Doctrine of Justification of Faith by Dr. John Owen. We are continuing to read at page 7 for this reading. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail order catalog, containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts are on the web at www.swrb.com Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Spurgeon. As the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone, Give yourself to reading. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Read. Renounce, as much as you will, all light literature. But study, as much as possible, sound theological works, especially the Puritanic writers and expositions of the Bible. The best way for you to spend your leisure is to be either reading or praying. And now, to SWRB's reading of the Doctrine of Justification of Faith, which we hope you find to be a great blessing and which, we pray, draws you nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ. For he is the way, and the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by him. John 14:6. General Considerations Previously Necessary Unto the Explanation of the Doctrine of Justification First, the General Nature of Justification State of the person to be justified and antecedently thereunto. Romans chapter 4, verse 5, chapter 3, verse 19, chapter 1, verse 32, Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, John chapter 3, verse 18, and verse 36, Galatians chapter 3, verse 22. The sole inquiry on that state, whether it be anything that is our own inerrantly, or what is only imputed unto us, that we are to trust unto for our acceptance with God, the sum of this inquiry, the proper ends of teaching and learning the doctrine of justification, things to be avoided therein, that we may treat of the doctrine of justification usefully unto its proper ends, which are the glory of God in Christ, with the peace and furtherance of the obedience of believers, some things are previously to be considered which we must have respect unto in the whole process of our discourse and, among others, that might be insisted on to the same purpose. These that ensue are not to be omitted. Number one. The first inquiry in this matter, in a way of duty, is after the proper relief of the conscience of a sinner pressed and perplexed with a sense of of the guilt of sin. For justification is the way and means whereby such a person does obtain acceptance before God, with a right and title unto a heavenly inheritance. And nothing is pleadable in this cause, but what a man would speak unto his own conscience in that state, or unto the conscience of another when he is anxious under that inquiry. Wherefore, the person under consideration that is, who is to be justified, is one who in himself is asabase Romans chapter 4, verse 5, ungodly. And thereon, hupadikos to theo, chapter 3, verse 19, guilty before God, that is, obnoxious, subject, liable. To dikai to tu Chapter 1, verse 32. To the righteous, sentential judgment of God, that he who committeth sin, who is any way guilty of it, is worthy of death. Hereupon, such a person finds himself, hupa kataran. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. Under the curse, and the wrath of God, therein abiding on him. John chapter 3, verse 18. And verse 36. In this condition, he is anapologetas, without plea, without excuse, by anything in and from himself for his own relief. His mouth is stopped. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. For he is, in the judgment of God, declared in the scripture, sugek leismenas, menas, har Galatians chapter 3, verse 22. Every way shut up under sin, and all the consequence of it. Many evils in this condition are men subject unto, which may be reduced unto those two of our first parents, wherein they were represented. For first they thought foolishly to hide themselves from God, and then, more foolishly, would have charged Him as the cause of their sin. And such, naturally, are the thoughts of men under their convictions. But whoever is the subject of the justification inquired after is, by various means, brought into his apprehensions, who cried, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Number four. The way whereby sinners do or ought to betake themselves unto this relief, on supposition, That it is the righteousness of Christ, and how they come to be partakers of, or interested in, that which is not inerrantly their own, unto as good benefit, and as much advantage as if it were their own, is of a distinct consideration, and as this also is clearly determined in the scripture, so it is acknowledged in the experience of all them that do truly believe. Neither are we in this matter much to regard the senses or arguing of men who were never thoroughly convinced of sin, nor have ever in their own persons fled for refuge unto the hope set before them. Number five. These things, I say, are always to be attended unto in our whole disquisition into the nature of evangelical justification. For Without a constant respect unto them, we shall quickly wander into the curious and perplexed questions wherein the consciences of guilty sinners are not concerned, and which therefore really belong not unto the substance or truth of this doctrine, nor are to be immixed therein. It is alone the relief of those who are in themselves hupadikoi to theo guilty before or obnoxious and liable to the judgment of God, that we inquire after. That this is not anything in or of themselves, or can be so, that it is a provision without them, made in infinite wisdom and grace by the mediation of Christ, his obedience and death therein, is secured in the Scripture against all contradiction, and it is the fundamental principle Of the Gospel, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Number six, it is confessed that many things for the declaration of the truth, and the order of the disputation of God's grace therein, are necessary to be insisted on. Such are the nature of justifying faith, the place and use of it in justification, and the causes of the new covenant, the true notion of of the mediation and suretyship of Christ and the like which shall all of them be inquired unto but beyond what tends directly unto the guidance of the minds and satisfaction of the souls of men who seek after a stable and abiding foundation of acceptance with God we are not easily to be drawn unless we are free to lose the benefit and comfort of this most important evangelical truth in needless and unprofitable contentions, and amongst many other miscarriages which men are subject unto, whilst they are conversant about these things, this, in an especial manner, is to be avoided. Number seven. For the doctrine of justification is directive of Christian practice, and in no other evangelical truth is the whole of our obedience more concerned. For the foundation of Reasons and motives of all our duty towards God are contained therein. Wherefore, in order unto the due improvement of them, ought it to be taught, and not otherwise. That which alone we aim, or ought to do so, to learn in it and by it, is how we may get and maintain peace with God, and so to live unto Him as to be accepted with Him in what we do. To satisfy the minds and consciences of men in these things is this doctrine to be taught. Wherefore, to carry it out of the understandings of ordinary Christians by speculative notions and distinctions is disserviceable unto the faith of the church. Yea, the mixing of evangelical revelations with philosophical notions has been in sundry ages the poison of religion pretense of accuracy and artificial skill in teaching is that which gives continence unto such a way of handling sacred things. But the spiritual amplitude of divine truths is restrained where hereby, whilst low, mean, philosophical senses are imposed on them. And not only so, but endless divisions and contentions are occasioned and perpetuated. Hence, when any difference in religion is, in the pursuit of controversies about it, brought into the old of metaphysical respects and philosophical terms, whereof there is palus namas entha kai entha, sufficient provision for the supply of combatants on both sides. The truth, for the most part, is unto any concernment of the souls of men therein, is utterly lost and buried in the rubbish of senseless and unprofitable words. And thus, in particular, those who seem to be well enough agreed in the whole doctrine of justification, so far as the scripture goes before them, and the experience of believers keeps them company, when once they engage into their philosophical definitions and distinctions, are at such an irreconcilable variance among themselves, as if they were agreed on no one thing that does concern it. For as men have various apprehensions in coining such definitions, as may be defensible against objections which most men aim at therein. So no proposition can be so plain, at least in non-English word, but that a man ordinarily versed in pedagogical terms and metaphysical notions may multiply distinctions on every word of it. Number eight. Hence, there has been a pretense and appearance of twenty several opinions among Protestants about justification. As the footnote number one, a cardinal who, according to Bale, had the best pen for controversy of his day. He was born in Tuscany in 1542, ordained by the celebrated Gensinius in 1569, was professor of theology for seven years at Louvain in 1576, gave controversial lectures at Rome, was made cardinal in 1599, and archbishop of Capua in 1602, which, three years after, he quitted for Rome, where he died in 1621. His controversial works fill three large folio volumes. His work on the temporal power of the Pope was condemned at Paris because he claimed for the Pope the right to dispose princes and yet because he asserted this right to be not direct but indirect. His book was placed on Pope Sixtus V on the Index Ex Purgatorius. End footnote. And Vasquez. Footnote number two: A Roman Catholic writer on morals and theology, whose works were published at Leyden in 1620. End footnote. And others of the Papists charge it against them out of Osiander. Footnote number three: Andrew Osiander, or in German, Horseman, was born in Franconia, 1498 became a preacher at Nuremberg in 1522 and professor of theology in the University of Koinsburg in 1548. He died in 1522. He was among the first of the Protestant divines that broached heretical views. He denied the fortunate character of justification, confounded it with sanctification, and held that... Man is justified not by the imputation of Christ's righteousness in satisfying and obeying the moral law, but by our participation through faith in the essential righteousness of Christ as God. He was nevertheless an able and learned man, though proud and dogmatic in temper. He wrote a valuable harmonia evangelica. End of footnote number three. When the faith of them all was one and the same, whereof we shall speak elsewhere. When men are once advanced into the field of disputation, which is all overgrown with thorns of subtleties, perplexed notions, and futileist terms of art, they consider principally how they may entangle others in it, scarce at all how they may get out of it themselves. And in this posture they oftentimes utterly forget the business which they are about, especially in this matter of justification. Namely, how a guilty sinner may come to obtain favor and acceptance with God. And not only so, but I doubt they oftentimes dispute themselves beyond what they can well abide by when they return home unto a sedate meditation of the state of things between God and their souls. And I cannot much value their notions and sentiments of this matter who object and answer themselves out of a sense of their own appearance before God much less theirs who evidence an open inconformity unto the grace and truth of this doctrine in their hearts and lives. Number 10. The Holy Ghost in expressing the most eminent acts in our justification especially as unto our believing or the acting of that faith when we are justified, is pleased to make use of many metaphorical expressions. For any to use them now in the same way and the same purpose is esteemed rude, undisciplinary, and even ridiculous. But on what grounds? He that shall deny that there is more spiritual sense and experience conveyed by them into the hearts and minds of believers, which is the life and the soul of teaching things practical, than in the most accurate philosophical expressions is himself really ignorant of the whole truth in this matter. The propriety of such expressions belongs and is confined unto natural science. But spiritual truths are to be taught, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But God is wiser than man, And the Holy Ghost knows better what are the most expedient ways for the illumination of our minds with that knowledge of evangelical truths which it is our duty to have and attain than the wisest of us all and other knowledge of or skill in these things than what is required of us in a way of duty is not to be valued. It is, therefore, To no purpose, to handle the mysteries of the gospel, as if Hilcott and Brycott, Thomas and Gabriel, with all the sententaryists, summits, and libertarians of the old Roman peripatetical school, were to be ranked out of their graves to be our guides. Footnote number four. Sententiari were scholastic theologians who commented on the sentences of Lombard. See, volume 1, page 224. Peter Lombard, born near Novari in Lombardy, died in 1146, bishop of Paris, called Magisterior Sententarium for one of his works, which is a compilation of sentences from the fathers arranged so as to form a system of divinity, and held in high repute during the medieval times. It appeared in 1172. Summa Theologica was the scholastic term for a system of divinity. And footnote number four. Especially will they be of no use to us in this doctrine of justification. For whereas they perniciously adhere unto the philosophy of Aristotle, who knew nothing of any righteousness, but what is a habit inherent in ourselves, and the acts of it, they wrested the whole doctrine of justification unto a compliance wherewithal. So, Pigius himself complained of them. Non-English words. Footnote number five. There were two writers, uncle and nephew, of the same name, Pigi, and both born at Campen, in the Dutch province of Overy Sil, so. the uncle, 1490-1542, to 1542, wrote in defense of the Romanish hierarchy. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts, are on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com by phone at 780-450-3730 by fax at 780-468-1096 or by mail at 4710-37A, Avenue, Edmonton, AB, Canada, T6L, 3T5 If you do not have a web connection, please request a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add@swrb.com or swrb@swrb.com with the word ADD in the subject line. SWRB's email list is a double opt-in list, so once you've sent us your email address, you will be asked by email to confirm that you want to join our list using the email address you have supplied. Your email information will be kept confidential, and you can easily remove yourself from our email list by simply emailing us at swrbswrb.com at with the word remove and the subject line. Once you are on our email list, you will be alerted to all the new free reformation resources free MP3s, free electronic books and texts, etc. SWRB makes available on the web, as well as, at times, our best discounts and super specials. We also encourage you to reproduce this audio resource and to pass it on to your friends. But we only authorize this as long as the full contents of the message, including the header and trailer, is not altered in any way, and as long as the audio file or cassette is given away for free. Thank you again for listening to this SWRB reading. And remember that Isaiah 26, verse 3 states, That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And Second Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 11, concludes, Finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you.